Now I have a podcast. Ho, ho, ho. Welcome into the Eve of Christmas Eve Rutgers Scoutcast special. I am your host, Sam Hellman, and I am jacked up to present this episode. Not only am I about to hop in the car and head over to the Prudential Center for a big Rutgers-Seton Hall game, but my guest this week is a pretty good one. You might have heard of him. His name is Pat Hobbs, and he is the athletic director at Rutgers University. Pat Hobbs, before his time at Rutgers, before he replaced Julie Herman, spent a lot of time at Seton Hall, knows Kevin Willard real well, and he's a basketball guy. So who better to have on the show? Before I waste any more of your time, you know this doesn't need to be an extended open. We'll talk about plenty of stuff in the body of the show, Q&As, Mailbag, Brian Doan, all that stuff. You guys want to hear from Pat Hobbs. You don't want to hear from me. So let me tell you one quick thing, and then we'll jump right into my interview with Pat Hobbs. If you're scrambling for gift ideas, if you're one of those folks for Christmas that put it off to the last minute, and if you're listening to this and you haven't bought anything yet, it's the last minute officially, we at Scarlet Report give out the opportunity to purchase gift subscriptions. Do you have another Rutgers fan in your family? Do you have a friend that's a big Rutgers fan that you want to share the Scarlet Report experience with? Well, check out our opportunities to purchase gift subscriptions and you get a little taste yourself. You get a little uh, extra on the side. It's a good deal. And with this deal, not only do you get access to Scarlet Report and, I mean, if you're listening to this, you know what I do and you know what we do. You are able, there are certain packages that include an annual subscription to Sports Illustrated. That's pretty cool, right? And on top of that, you can get 10% off tickets and 10% off gear with our sponsored partners at Ticket Monster and Fanatics. If that's confusing for you, please reach out to me with any of that stuff, shelman at scout.com, and I will help you as best I can to get you the best deal that you can and for you to be able to spread the gift of Scarlet Report. Drink it in, man. It was my honor to have Pat Hobbs on the podcast this week. I don't think it's going to be the last time he's on the show, but this time there is no better time to discuss Rutgers and Seton Hall. There's no better person to discuss this topic with than Rutgers Athletic Director Pat Hobbs. Here he is. All right, I'm excited to welcome our guest to the Rutgers Scoutcast this week. You might have heard of him. He has some ties to Seton Hall, so we're looking forward to talking about that going into tonight's tip-off rivalry game, trophy game. Pat Hobbs, welcome to the show. Thanks, Sam. Good to be here. This uh, Rutgers-Seton Hall game has a little different feel than last year's game for a lot of reasons. First off, you're not hiring a football coach during the game, which is probably nice. Uh, What else is different for you your second time being with Rutgers going into this game? Well, you know, clearly, um, you know, this is the the Steve Peichel era has begun here at Rutgers University. Uh, We're really proud of the way it's begun. I mean, go off and uh, begin the season 11-1, probably a surprise to everyone. Um, yes, I mean, the, the, the teams that we've played um, have not had great records, um, but you still got to win, right? And I think we've won games this year that a lot of folks think we might have lost in the past. So it's exciting. Um, uh, you know, we're really happy with what Steve's doing. Um, he's excited about it. Uh, obviously going now and playing uh, Seton Hall, where I spent uh, most of my career in higher education, uh, I hired Kevin Willard. Um, uh, very proud of that, and 
Uh, Kevin obviously had uh, a big job to do uh, in building Seton Hall Athletics. He's done a spectacular job. And uh, he's, you know, last year won the Big East. I couldn't have been happier for him and for Seton Hall and the folks that I've known there a long time. Uh, and, uh, and I want that to happen for Rutgers University now. So, um, you know, wish them well. Um, but uh, uh, we're, we're going into this game uh, hoping to be successful. As uh, Coach Pico would say, you guys would like to go 1-0 and in this game? Of course, of course. I mean, it, and it, Kevin has a tremendous basketball team. Uh, I know most of the young men on that team. Uh, they're not only good players, they're really good people, good men of good character. Um, and uh, you know, they're the they're the, you have to they're the they're the, they're the champions right now, right? So uh, you know, in terms of uh, winning last year, uh, it was a very tough game for us. Um, they really dominated us uh, in every aspect of the game. Once the starting lineup got into the game. And uh, so it was hard. It's hard for our kids. Um, but, you know, even in those losses, you learn uh, a little bit about the gap between how you're playing and uh, how the other team is playing. And, um, you know, they're excited. They're excited about the game. Um, you know, nobody's out there sort of uh, making predictions about the game. What they want to do is they want to go and they want to play well uh, and against a very, very talented Seton Hall team. Outside of maybe one line from Seton Hall coming out of their last post game, I haven't seen the trash talk that you usually see. It, it's weird. Do, do you like that, or do you want a little, a little chippiness just to get people in the building? Oh, you know, I mean, because you can always talk trash here if you like. Even without putting it out on social media, uh, these kids all want to win, right? They've been playing basketball for a very long time, and. Um, uh, no, no coach wants their players out there on social media giving, um, you know, blackboard fodder um, so that you can go there. Uh, the kids are going to play hard uh, no matter what. Uh, you know, for me, um, you know, it's a place that I spent a lot of time in my life. Um, as I said, I know the young men on that team very, very well. I was incredibly happy for them last year. Um, but I, I love my team. I want my team to win. I want them to perform well. Uh, and so, you know, the good news is you've got two great coaches here in New Jersey, Kevin Willard and Steve Peichel. Uh, you've got uh, a team that's um, made had success of late, and you have a team that we're building and is on the rise, and we're really happy with the start. So it should be a great atmosphere, uh, great for New Jersey, great for New Jersey basketball, uh, maybe our own little tobacco road. I, uh, I'm from Virginia, so I did not understand what this game was when I went to Rutgers as a student. And then when I was a junior, I saw J.R. Inman hit that shot. Yeah. And all of the shenanigans that ensued uh, between the respective head coaches at the time. What, you have a lot of memories I'm sure that you can't share, <laughs> given your role at Seton Hall. But what's your favorite memory you can share about the, the Seton Hall-Rutgers rivalry? You know, uh, intensity. Um, I, I think what... It's always been intense. I mean, last year I think was a very difficult game uh, for Rutgers. Uh, the game got out of hand pretty quickly. Uh, and, and as I said, Seton Hall, a very, very talented team. But uh, I came in here many years ago with Tommy Amaker uh, in a very hard-fought battle. Uh, first time coming in here with Kevin Willard, very hard-fought battle. So it's intensity. It's a state rivalry. You know, all of us, um, you know, I, I talked about this um, through the years, we benefit, both schools benefit by having successful programs. Um, you know, to keep the tremendous talent that we have here in New Jersey, in New Jersey, um, the in-state rivalry is really important. I mean, you have kids grow up and say, I want to play for Rutgers. Kids grow up and say, I want to play for Seton Hall. 
um, have those households where one family member, one spouse is cheering for Rutgers, one's cheering for Seton Hall. That's all good. That all builds the brand of basketball in the state of New Jersey. It helps both programs. So I, I would say it's intensity. And, and um, I, I think right now we've got two spectacularly talented coaches. And I am very confident that both coaches are going to continue to build their programs. And we're going to have wars. We're going to have wars in the years ahead. And they're going to be fun wars, right? They're going to be the, the uh, water cooler bragging rights type of wars uh, for the Seton Hall folks and for the Rutgers folks. Uh, and that just makes both our programs better. Uh, I spend a lot of time at the rack more than I'd like. You obviously <laughs> spend more. But with the amount of time I've spent around guys like Kevin Lorenz here, I hear, hear more about this trophy than I do about the Heisman Trophy. <laughs> well, you're certainly going to hear that from Kevin Lorenz because <laughs> apparently he wants, designed the trophy, right? He did, and if you guys don't get it back, I think that you're going to be hearing from him. Yeah, Kevin Kevin wants Kevin wants it back. I think he had a hand in designing it. My understanding is it's uh, the, the wood is part of uh, the boardwalk of, of the Jersey Shore. Uh, so it does have some symbolic significance. Um, and look, you're in New Jersey. We want to win New Jersey. Um, it's your home turf. Uh, so, yeah, um, Kevin, Kevin is uh, passionate about bringing the trophy back to Rutgers, um, but you've got to play the game to make that happen. Obviously, this team is impassioned to do the same thing, maybe not necessarily for the trophy, but 12-1 and would be quite the start for this program. I didn't expect it. I don't know if you did, but the way that you approached the scheduling, the way that you and Steve and all of the basketball guys approached it, was this what you were hoping for, was to build confidence early and, and show these guys how to win? Well, a lot of these games were already on our schedule uh, from prior contracts, and then we had to fill in some, some games. Uh, and we, we promised Stony Brook that we would do a home-and-home home with them, uh, which was not easy for Steve. Right? Uh, you know, that was the AD asked for that, and we agreed to do that. And I knew that was going to be a really, really hard battle. Uh, because they were going to play with emotion. Obviously, he recruited those kids to Stony Brook. Uh, they have tremendous respect and admiration for Steve up there, but that's a hard game. And, and, and you, uh, an AD probably shouldn't put his coach in that situation, uh, but we agreed. We went up there. Thankfully for us, we came away with a win. Um, you know, e even though uh, folks might point to our strength of schedule and say, um, well, they've played some weak teams. Um, those teams have played really hard against us, um, and they've been coached, well coached. I mean, you look at the Hartford game. Uh, that was a good test for us because they came out very loose. They shot the ball incredibly well. Um, they got excited and confident early, uh, and so we had to battle back. It wasn't a great shooting night for us, uh, so that was good. The, the win against FDU also showed a grittiness on the part of our players. I think what they're showing is they're showing the character of the coach. All right? And so I think all teams in some ways reflect the character of their coach. Uh, and Steve's a humble guy, but he's a very confident, determined guy around uh, his abilities and what he can do. He works hard. He, he never stops coaching throughout the game. Uh, and our kids, as a result, they never stop playing throughout the game. They're diving for loose balls. They're going for rebounds. Uh, even when they're not shooting well, uh, they're being aggressive. You look at Mike Williams and, and, and what he's done in rebounding this year and steals. Uh, you look at Corey, much more active in defending. Uh, so we're defending this year. Uh, and so e even though uh, you know, some of our wins have been uh, by pretty wide margins, and some of our wins have been tight, I think they've been wins that have, uh, uh, each with each game, uh, the coaching staff is able to develop the team. Uh, and now you go into a really, really hard test against an incredibly talented team. My last basketball question, you yeah. put your analyst's hat on. What is your key to victory for the Scarlet Knights tonight? 
Oh, I mean, you know, you got to protect the ball, right? You got to rebound, you got to play defense. Uh, if you do those things, uh, then you put yourself in an opportunity, right? Because you're going to have good shooting nights, you're going to have bad shooting nights. So it is it's defend, defend, defend. Uh, it's going to be protect the ball, it's going to be a rebound. Uh, and, uh, and then you got to play with some confidence. you got to go out there and you can play with some confidence. They're going to come in. They're the reigning Big East champion. They're going to play with confidence, and uh, so you got to try to match that. Uh, other than that, um, you know, I, I, look, I, I am excited about it. Uh, I'm excited about the, the game. I'm excited for the fans of New Jersey. Uh, I, I think we'll have a good contingent of Rutgers folks uh, in, in the arena tonight. Uh, so uh, just, just let, let's, let's play the game. All right. I have one football question for you. And then a couple of rapid fire ones that I end the show with. Sure, um, Jerry Kill. Yeah, uh, you like that? Uh, tremendous, tremendous hire, Jerry. Jerry brings so much to our program. Uh, obviously, uh, he's built. Uh, he's had success at four other programs as a head coach. Most recently at Minnesota, where he really turned around that uh, they get to play on, on New Year's Day for the first time since 1962. 2014 Big Ten Coach of the Year. Uh, he brings um, he brings a maturity uh, to our coaching staff, which I think helps Coach Ash. Um, uh, for me, uh, you know, even even his year of administration at K State or half year of administration at K State uh, is is helpful because um, you know he understands the administra- administrative side of what we're doing. Uh, but he's a great addition. I know he's really passionate about football. Looking forward to getting back to it. Um, and uh, so Coach Ash and his entire staff, um, we really. We benefit. I wish Drew Maringer all the best down at, at Texas. We certainly knew when Tom Herman was hired down there that there was a possibility that he would go. Uh, I have great admiration and respect for, for Drew Maringer. I think he's a real talent, and we're going to see great things with Drew in the years ahead. Um, and I'm equally happy to, to welcome Jerry Kill uh, to Rutgers. The, the numbers are out there. I've reported them. Everyone has. This is what you mean when you say Big Ten competitive? Absolutely. Absolutely. No, you know, I mean, he's not being paid at the top of the Big Ten, but we're, if we're going to – well, he'll, he'll be the seventh, the seventh um, highest paid offensive coordinator in the Big Ten. Uh, the median right now is, is 560000 I believe. So um, it's a bit above the midpoint. Um, you know, obviously, as a head coach, Jerry commanded uh, a lot more uh, in compensation, but I think it says something about where we are uh, at Rutgers, not just in what we're willing to pay the offensive coordinator, but in that somebody of the caliber of Jerry Kill was interested in coming, and not for the highest paid position in the conference, um, but at the midpoint in the conference. And that's what um, you know, Dr. Barchi has supported. He says, we're going we're gonna to be competitive by paying to the midpoint in the conference. And we've got some other things that we need to do as we go forward. But as our resources build, we'll do that. You have to be competitive. And, um, uh, you know, Jerry's a great addition, and, and I feel like we got a bargain. Close all of these with the same big three questions. Okay. They're supposed to be fun and lighthearted, but right. <laughs> you're going to have a tough time not offending people. Okay. Because um, the first question is, who's your favorite Rutgers athlete of all time? Oh, my goodness. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that I have one. Um, uh, I'm still learning so much about uh, the great history of Rutgers athletics. And, uh, you know, when you look at Bob Lloyd and, and Jim Valvano and Eric Legrand and Carly Lloyd and all of these greats, uh, it's hard to pick one at this point. But what if you have to pick one? Uh, I don't think I could do that. I, I won't, I won't, it's not that I want to offend anybody. It's Dodging just, the question. I don't... Uh, uh, you know, I, there's so many of them. Uh, you look at the four captains in, in football this year. 
um, Julian Darius. I mean, just just great, great character people. We have so many great ambassadors here. So uh, people can say Hobbs was, uh, he sort of ducked the question. I'm fine with that because uh, I, I, we have 625 student-athletes here currently. All 625 are my favorite. I, uh, I, even I answered it when I did this. I went with Mike Teal. Oh, Mike Teal. All right. Well, really, obviously a great player. And like, you get Tom Savage now who's, who's playing well in, in the NFL, NFL. And Devin McCourty uh, played incredibly well uh, uh, this past week. So um, there's, there's a long list, which is nice. There's a long list. Uh, and and certain, certainly Marco Battaglia is way up there for me. <laughs> is he listening in the other room? <laughs> no, no, no. But I love Marco. Tremendous. Uh, second question, what is your favorite memory when you think about your time at Rutgers, whether it's now working here or coming here with Seton Hall or anything you've experienced with Rutgers? Favorite memory? Um, you know, I, I really enjoyed the R Awards banquet last year. Um, seeing those young people come across the stage as seniors and talk about um, their great experience here at Rutgers University. And, and I try to always do that. No matter where, where I've been, I always try to ask, you know, has it been a good experience for you? And uh, just just student-athlete after student-athlete coming by and saying, I, I just wish I had another year. I wish I had another two years. So th that's a, the favorite moments are about being around our student-athletes um, and seeing their success and seeing, you know, those moments where, um, you know, victory on the field, right? Those are great moments. Um, uh, so, so I guess there's there's quite a few already in one year. Mike Kenner still hasn't stopped talking about the shout out you gave him. The <laughs> well, I tell you, he's got quite a voice, and uh, so uh, if Mike does follow you around for the day and announces your arrival, uh, it says you've arrived. I'm trying to get him to do the open for this podcast for me. So it would be it would be a great open. <laughs> Last question: uh, If you get to eat one more meal on the Rutgers campus in the Rutgers area, uh, where would you go and what would you order? Uh, one more meal. Oh, that's uh, on the Rutgers on the Rutgers campus in this general area. Sure. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a regular over there at Henry's Diner, uh, so I'll go with Henry's Diner, and uh, I shouldn't, but I got to tell you, the cheesesteak at Henry's yeah. Diner is really really top notch. I highly recommend it. All right. Thanks for the time, Pat. All right. Thanks, Sam. All right. Merry Christmas. You too. Thanks again to Pat Hobbs for the time. Make sure you let him know how much you enjoyed hearing from him. He doesn't have Twitter. I'm, I'm sure he has a secret one, but there's plenty of Rutgers social channels out there or ways to reach him, so give him a thanks. Just for some quick context to you guys and gals before we jump into the news with Scout National Recruiting Analyst Brian Doan, the NCAA notice of allegations regarding Kyle Flood's tenure and the issues that took place that happened after my conversation with Pat Hobbs that went public. Obviously, Pat Hobbs has known about this for a long time. He knew about it when he took the job that this was likely going to happen. But there is a reason that it did not come up in our conversation. And that reason is it hadn't come out yet. So if you're wondering where that was, well, that's why. Uh, I interviewed Pat in his office Monday night at the rack and the news became public lunchtime the next day. Anyway, here's Brian with the news. Thanks again to Pat Hobbs for joining the show this week. Good time talking to Pat and like I mentioned before certain developments this week, which is why it was a little more lighthearted than it might have been if that interview happened on a Thursday. But now that the warm-up act is done, it's time to bring in the headliner, 
Brian Doan, a Scout National Recruiting Analyst, to our Christmas special. Welcome. Uh, thanks for having me, Sam. And, uh, you know, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Holidays to everybody out there. It's a great time to, you know, spend with your family. Hopefully for you, Sam, with the holidays, you get some Washington Wizards gear. I know you're a big fan. I am a big Wizards fan. Um, you're the guy. <laughs> yep, I'm that one guy. To, although, to be fair... The guy behind the bench reading the book is the other guy. Now, here's the thing that I love about Rutgers is... Uh, They've got a new promotion where if you miss the opponents miss two free throws in the second half of a basketball game, everyone in attendance wins free chicken from Buffalo Wild Wings. Oh, that's a good deal. Right, but here's the thing. My Washington Wizards are famous for John Wall complaining because the fans only cheer for missed free throws that lead to free fried chicken. In Wizards games, if an opponent misses two free throws at the Verizon Center in the second half, you get free Chick-fil-A. Oh, yeah. now, oh, yeah. I like Chick-fil-A. And fans, what if it's a Saturday game? Can you get it the next day? I think you can get them. I think you can get them Monday. Okay, good. But, good. so, t- uh, tip of the hat to uh, Mike Greengarten and uh, Jeff Brown and all the marketing folks that uh, took a page out of my Wizards book. Speaking of basketball, we're going to start the news today talking about Rutgers and Seton Hall. Now, I guess a former Seton Hall AD that's the Rutgers AD has an okay perspective, but you used to cover UCLA. And so, UConn. Yeah, and UConn. So talk about this rivalry and where it stacks up with the greats. <laughs> right up there with Duke, North Carolina. Tobacco Road. Um, is, uh, it is a little bit of a rivalry. The people that say it isn't just, they don't feel like losing that game, so they're not going to acknowledge that it's a rivalry. It is just from the standpoint of Seton Hall's rise to prominence in college athletics took place because of Fred Gruninger, the former Rutgers AD, who decided not to go into the Big East, and instead they invited Seton Hall. And Seton Hall, it is their flagship sport. And so for them, it's a little bit bigger. You know, you get to knock off the so-called big brother, or whatever you want to call Rutgers, in regards to Seton Hall. So there is that rivalry. You know, Rutgers-Princeton, again, it wasn't like the Iron Bowl in football, it's not like Cal-Stanford in football or, or Yale-Harvard or anything, but when Rutgers played Princeton, there was some juice to it, especially when Pete Carroll was there and they had really good teams. And now, I, I think a lot of it's the same with Seton Hall and Rutgers. You're not sitting there painting your face blue and white if you're the Pirates and you're not, you know, if you're Rutgers... It's probably the first time in a few years you're actually paying attention to the basketball team. But there's a little bit of juice there. It would help if Rutgers had anybody from New Jersey on the team to add to it. But there, there's a little bit of juice there. And you know how you know there's juice, Sam? Because the game is sold out. And I'm not paying 90 bucks for three tickets on StubHub. So, you know, anybody want to PM me, go ahead. Yeah, hey, Pat, what's going on? This is a little hot take-ish, and I don't like hot takes. But if you're talking about the young generation, like the generation of college students now, Nobody cares about Rutgers and Seton Hall. Uh, it's not a rivalry to them because it's never been... <laughs> I don't think people got that Carino from you, but that was a very good Jerry Carino. <laughs> that, that's my point, is for people that have been around this sport and New Jersey and basketball for a while, like Jerry Carino, Jerry Carino's all in. This is his favorite day of the year, I think. This is his holiday. He teaches at Rutgers. Spent, it's like Festivus. Spent tons of time at Seton Hall. Pat Hobbs, you heard him talk about it pretty passionately. Coach Willard cares now. Steve Peichel's new to it. But for the younger people, they don't care right now. It's not a rivalry game for them. Because the younger people grew up with this or went to school with this with Rutgers sucking. 
and so you can't get excited about right. it. Right. Here's here's how little this game mattered last year, and I think this is part of you know hashtag night and day differences. Chris Ash is the news that Chris Ash was going to be hired. We broke that. A couple other people reported it during the game. People just up and left. They didn't even watch the second half of the game. They didn't go into Eddie Jordan's press conference. Both people. They, they, yeah, they just left. Well, you're right, because when you say both people, Carino and I were the only ones that covered the team last year. Yeah, yeah. No, um, you're right, you're right. But people care now. It's going to be a packed press row. And this is, you look at the date of this and the scheduling, and it's awful. You could not have picked a worse time for this game. See, I think it's a great time. I disagree. The last thing I want to do on my last day of work before Christmas vacation is to drive through Newark during rush hour for a 6.30 basketball game. Yeah, but you're done with your holiday shopping. Santa's been good, or t- or you haven't been good, and so you're not getting anything. Yeah, I think it's a good time to kind of relax and unwind before it. But I know what you're saying in terms of it. But for me, you know what this game represents? It represents whether Rutgers is ready to take that next step this year as a team. And it's not a giant, it's not one giant leap for Scarlet Knight kind. <sighs> it's just... Can you take that next step? And if you win this game, it would be unbelievable. If you lose it, it would be like, all right, yeah, that was expected. Right. But So there's some juice to it. And, look, football was awful the last two years. The off-the-field messes just beat you down. So people on the Rutgers side of it are like, hey, you know, something good to cheer about. Correct. Now, before we jump into, you mentioned the football news, and we're obviously going to touch on that as well in this episode. But tonight at the Rock, Brian, who you got? Realistically, you have to look at it and you say, Rutgers is not ready to win this game. They're not ready to win it on the road. There's, they just don't shoot the ball well enough to win big games on the road. That's fine. It just play well, play hard, keep it close late, and have a chance. But I think Seton Hall will win it by 8-10. to 10. I, I also think Seton Hall wins this game, but I think that it more comes down to how much more mature and established Seton Hall is in the post. You have guys like Delgado that are just monsters, whereas Rutgers has C.J. Geddes, who's playing well, but he, he kind of has that ceiling, and you know where it is. Deshaun Freeman, who's a double-double machine against bad teams, but let's see how he does against a mature team like Seton Hall. So we'll get this one out of the way now. It's the elephant in the room, the NCAA's announcement of uh, everything that's been going on in the gift of the Kyle Flood era finally hit the public this week. You all, as the more serious Rutgers fans, which believe me, you are if you're still listening to this 30 minutes into the show, you knew this was coming. You knew that it was bad. Maybe some of the details surprised you, but... This was always happening, and it was something that Pat Hobbs knew before he took the job. It was something that Chris Ash knew before he took the job. And I think that despite how bad it looks with these allegations, they did the best they could with it. So when the kids got arrested, during, you know, right before floods last year, people asked if I thought he was gone. Yeah, I did, because this was one of the things we were hearing. Now, you're not going to go out and report a lot of this stuff. Um, it's very tough with sources said, but... It is just a perfect way to summarize Kyle Flood's tenure as a head coach are these allegations and these, you know, to me it's perfect. It puts a nice bow on everything on just how he ran a program. 
with no regard. Now, you know, when you look at it, you say no regard for rules, which is what he did when he contacted a professor. No regard for rules with the enforcement of the drug policy, according to the allegations. But, and this is a big but. (laughs) You cannot sit here and say it's all him because the incompetence of the athletic director and her lieutenants to allow this to happen to where, I mean, Sam, we talked about it before. She wasn't even doing year-end reviews, was my understanding, of the football coach. She wasn't talking to him. She's, I mean, we addressed it at the time it was happening, and it's coming up now, about trying to get money from boosters while they're winning on the football field to try to get bowl eligible. So, you know what? President Barchi, you decided you wanted to push athletics off and not pay attention to it. You got what you deserved. You decided not to care, to pretend that you had to care. You know, you go to the Motor City Bowl and people told you to go. You didn't just go. So you got what you deserved. And the good thing for Rutgers, and I mentioned this on the board, the good thing for Rutgers is they have Pat Hobbs, who is a competent leader, and they have a Chris Ash, who is a competent head coach and a competent leader in the football program. And that is a really good starting point to turn this stuff around. Two thoughts from me. First off, when you have an athletic director that doesn't talk to the bas- head basketball, men's basketball coach, or the head football coach, that none of them like each other to the point where they don't talk. Or any other coach pretty much in yeah, the building. that's a problem. Uh, second, I don't want to turn this into another Barchi argument or whatever because we've been doing that for three years. It's not an argument. I'm, I'm right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, what I'll say is that although that was a mess, you still have to give him credit for eventually getting it right with the help of his advisors and everything. Eventually writing the ship and RWJ Barnabas and everything that's come over the last year. And you heard Pat Hobbs talk about it and the things that they've been able to do to get money to hire Jerry Kill and everything like that. I mean, it it wasn't a great start, but it's getting better. Look, I agree with you that you give Barchi credit for some things. What I'm trying to reconcile and what I'm trying to figure out, how much of it is Greg Brown telling Barchi this is what we're going to do, how much of it is the Board of Governors telling Barchi this is what we're going to do. And then, folks, for all you that stayed in for listening for this stuff, Here's your little nugget. How much credit goes to Big Ten Commissioner Jim Delaney, who knows how to pull strings behind the scenes to get ships righted in the correct direction? And the more people I talk to, the more people tell me that he has an influence on making sure Rutgers, and if you're going to lose on the field, fine, but at least get your house in order. And... So he brought Rutgers into the Big Ten. A lot of controversy about that. The people that complain about it have no idea what it was about with TV revenue, and they'll never figure it out. That's what I'm trying to reconcile, because I, I, I guess I'll give Barchi some credit, but there's a lot more credit to go around. Wrapping up the news this week. It's, it's old news by the time y'all are listening to this, but it's still big news for Rutgers, and that is... Jerry Kill. Nice hire by Chris Ash. He's checks all the boxes, which is becoming quickly becoming one of my favorite Chris Ash cliches. But it's also true. Jerry Kill brings a lot to the table 
former Big Ten head coach, rebuild, knows how to rebuild, knows how to connect with kids. He knows the Midwest. What do you like most about this hire, or do you like this hire, Brian? I like the hire. Uh, to me, it's a professional hire. It's a guy who, in talking to some scouts, they think he's done a tremendous job with how he coaches games You know, at Minnesota, what he wants to do offensively. Shares the offensive philosophy of Chris Ash, which you knew was going to happen because otherwise he wasn't getting hired. So to talk about how it's the same philosophy is, is meaningless. Um, but what I, here's the best thing I like about it, Sam. Um, they wanted to spend X amount of money, whatever it was going to take to get Jerry Kill. And there was no haggling. There were no issues with it. It was done, you know, I think it was done Wednesday or Thursday before it got announced Monday because of some things that had to get finalized. But one of the underrated things is Chris Ash now has a guy in the Hale Center who ran a successful Big Ten program that he can walk down the hall to and talk to about how to handle things. Because you got to remember, Chris Ash is still a new coach. And also, Jerry Kill ran a program very similar to Rutgers when you talk about what expectation levels should be. So I like that aspect of it. Now, the health aspect of it, look, if you're going to spend your time worrying about things like that, you're going to miss a lot of opportunities in life. And it's worth the risk if it even is a, a risk but, yeah, I mean, he's, he's a professional who's had success running a spread offense. So, And Rutgers actually paid money. I mean, they didn't go on a cheap for it. So, you know, win-win. I, I guarantee you that Chris Ash has better resources than I do when it comes to researching the health situations here. So I think that Chris Ash isn't going to make this higher if he doesn't have good information that health won't be an issue. I mean, come on. Jerry Kill said he's been working... I think he said 12 to 13 hours a day during his time at K-State. That's what he's going to have to work at Rutgers. And so what's the difference other than now you live in New Jersey? I mean, it's... Which has to make your body feel better. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, at least at least there's plenty of good chicken soup around and there's plenty of hospitals within five feet of Rutgers. That's, that's true. But I, I like the hire just from the standpoint of you, you have somebody who... Is established, and look, I was a Drew Maringer fan. If you go back and watch his games, he called good games. But it's a different kind of person in the building than you had with Drew Maringer. Not better, not worse, just different. And I like it. I think he brings a lot to the table, and I think he, because of the name recognition, he eases the mind of a lot of recruits in the 2017 class. Let's see how it works out for the 2018s where it's not as urgent. I had a conversation earlier this week with St. Peter's prep coach, Rich Hansen, who, as you know, is Jonathan Lewis's head coach. He's coached a lot of players that have gone through Rutgers without going into too much detail because uh, that's what your subscribers are for. That's what they're reading. But we a part of our conversation, I said, Rich, you've seen a lot of coaches come and go in your time, well, especially as a Rutgers offensive coordinator. But what do you think of this one? does it even really make that much of a difference? And he said, no, because Chris Ash was in touch with us the whole time. We knew what was going on. We understand that coaching changes happen. And at the end of the day, Jerry Kill's no different than Drew Maringer or Kirk Shiraka or Lane Kiffin. You're going to be judged by how many games you win, how many you lose, how many points you score. I think the key to that is Chris Ash was in contact constantly, sharing 
what was going on because he can trust the coaches to do that. You know, they, they have complete confidence in him because they've built strong relationships with him. Rutgers mailbag time here, closing out the Christmas special of the Rutgers Scoutcast, as I've decided to call it. As you know, you can contact me many ways. I wouldn't recommend sliding into my DMs because I don't check that often, but you can hit me at Sam Hellman Scout on Twitter and my mentions, as Hellman at Scout.com in my emails. The best way to do it and knock the... on your door. No. Oh. We're not gonna do that. Although uh, if you're listening, shout out to my neighbor that subscribes to Scarlet Report. Respect. Best way to do it would be as a subscriber to Scarlet Report, which is where all the questions came from this week. Going on topic, the first question came from your boy Mike in Cedar Grove, who asks about Devin Leary and Artur Sikowski. Do you think which one does Rutgers have a better chance of getting? Which one would be better for Rutgers? Well, what's your take now that Alan Walters is off the board headed to Vanderbilt for yeah, now? I, I don't think that Alan Walters was a factor in this right now. He had always told me he wanted to play in the South, which is not where Rutgers is located. Huh. And I think Rutgers knew that as well, too. As for Sitkowski and Leary, this is a great question, Abro, because I go back and forth on it, and I think Sitkowski has the higher ceiling. He's got a better frame, he's taller, um, releases the ball higher, great arm strength, can move, but he needs to get better with his accuracy. Devin Leary, former baseball player, has a cannon of an arm. Really quick release, great with his pre-snap reads, has mobility to get out, out of the pocket and, and buy time. He just does so many things well right now, and he'll get better. I mean, his accuracy is phenomenal. And I look at it from the standpoint of he's further along than Sitkowski. Sitkowski has a higher ceiling, but they're very close. They're very similar in players, and Leary's going to get a bump up in January when we redo the 2018s. I just think that if Rutgers landed either of them, it would be significant. I think Sitkowski has more pull with recruits in the state just because of his personality and where he's located. He's closer to a lot of the North Jersey talent. But I, I think if they got either of them, I think Rutgers would sign off on it in a heartbeat. I, yeah, either one is a slam dunk in 2018. But if I had to pick which one... I'd rather have, I think right now, this could change, but I'd rather have Devin Leary. I think that the accuracy and the lower ceiling, that kind of stuff you talked about, I don't think that matters as much at Rutgers where you just want to find quarterbacks that are going to go in and play. And I, I really liked what I saw from Leary on his film that you posted, and I saw him in a scrimmage this year. But, again, take Sikowski, no issues there. I just, I'm leaning towards Leary right now. All right, we've got... Two off-topic questions this week because it is Christmas and they are holiday-related. Um, the first one is more f just for me, so Brian, you might be a little lost on this one, which probably won't stop you from injecting your opinion anyway. But it came from tougher Cowboys fan who asked, uh, "What is what is my opinion of the Andrew Lincoln character in Love Actually?" Um, do you know this movie, Brian? I go through a lot of things, and I, I watch stuff, and, you know, I, I look and I say, Lincoln, Lincoln, I've been thinking. No, nah, I don't know who he is. Okay. Well, why don't you give me your favorite Christmas movie, and then I'll answer this question. Oh, favorite Christmas movie? Because this is obviously I, you know my what, favorite. You know what my favorite Christmas movie is? Nightmare Before Christmas. Ugh. Unbelievable movie. Just 
tremendous, great songs, great satire, great, ah, oh, just a tremendous movie. Absolutely love Nightmare Before Christmas. I uh, Mine is love, actually. As a kid, I loved Home Alone, and I still do. That's not a Christmas if you're movie. In, Home Alone isn't a Christmas movie? No, Have please. you ever seen it before? I've seen it. It's just... Some kid gets locked in his house. I mean, stuck in his house. You're and, telling me that the uh, old the old man's uh, heartfelt reunion with his son isn't the ultimate Christmas ending? No. Who cares? <laughs> Jeez. All right, Scrooge. Uh, anyway, to answer the Love Actually question, Andrew Lincoln's character, who, as we all know, is Mark, is not a scumbag, but he's a creep. Because I don't blame anyone for being in love with Kira Knightley. But you still... Chiwetel, I know her. Yeah, there you go. Chiwetel Etufor, who is the husband in this situation, was in Firefly. So he's obviously better than Andrew Lincoln, who's in The Walking Dead. So you don't creep on your best friend's wife. So you're weird, but you're not necessarily a scumbag. Now, moving on to our final question. I, I don't know what you said just there. Right. Well, you don't think Home Alone's a Christmas movie, so you kind of lost It's like my wife thinks these are a few of my favorite things is a Christmas song. No, it's from The Sound of Music. That one I agree. Performed I agree. by a Jewish family. S- it's so not what? a Christmas song. Uh, so what? Norman Greenbaum sang Spirit in the Sky. Anyway, last question also Christmas related. As you can see, we love the holidays here on the Rutgers Scoutcast. Uh, this question came from Nelmo. And Does he know Elmo? <laughs> I don't know. Nelmo asks, what is our favorite Christmas food, and what was our favorite Christmas present? Oh, boy. Favorite Christmas food? All of it? Uh, favorite Christmas food is... I'm a little old-fashioned, but I'll tell you what. I just love the old butter cookies that, when I was a kid, I used to make with my grandmother. I it was too. one of the highlights of it. With the Then you'd sprinkle the... The sugar on top, oh, yeah, and you color we'd, it. We'd shape them like grizzly bears and Christmas trees. Well, we had the cutouts and everything. So I would say that that's probably my favorite just from a nostalgic standpoint. Um, but I could never go wrong with turkey and cranberries because I could eat that all the time. I mean, I may head over to a fast food place and get the turkey gobbler maybe <laughs> for lunch today. This might not count as food, but uh, someone, a, a friend of mine introduced me to this. In college, she told me, you got to try peppermint schnapps and hot chocolate. And ever since, that's been my favorite every yeah. Christmas. Yeah, I can tell when I call you some nights when it's cold outside and I can tell talking to you. No, that's just because I go to bed at 8.30. That is a fair point. But uh, a favorite present? Okay, well, mine, technically not a Christmas present because we were a dual... Would you talk to my wife about this stuff? <laughs> we were a dual religion household, so we also celebrated uh, Eight Crazy Nights of Hanukkah. So You said where? Well, I don't live there anymore. Oh, okay. My best gift, I believe it was 1998, I received the thing that everyone wanted for Christmas two weeks early because Hanukkah came earlier. I received a Game Boy Color along with the original Pokemon game and Zelda Link's Awakening and a game called Billy Bob's Hunting and Fishing. And... I was the cool kid because I got it before everyone else, and I still have it sitting in my desk to this day. So for two weeks, you were the cool kid. Yep, and <laughs> uh, th- for the next 15 years, well, here I am. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, my, my, I, I don't know if I have a, a favorite Christmas gift. Um, I, I think maybe just hanging out, watching my kids open stuff is kind of what I care about Christmas now. I, I don't really have a favorite gift growing up, and I was a 
excellent child. So Santa always brought me a lot of stuff, just nothing I can remember. All right, well, we ended Pat Hobbs' interview with a cop-out non-answer, and I guess we're going to end Brian's interview with the same. We will be back in 2017. We might have a New Year's Eve special. Kind of depends on uh, how much I want to work this week. but And how much peppermint schnapps and hot chocolate you get for the holidays. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, I will certainly be having some after tonight's game, after I drive home from Seton Hall. Have a happy holidays, whatever you celebrate, and thanks for listening.